0: The butt video again, right? Don't ask. Should have been here. All right. No more excuses. Well, today is week two in the series No More Excuses. And through this series, we're going to be looking at three big areas we love to make excuses in our time, in our talent, And in our treasure. I want to challenge you through this series to stop making excuses with your treasure and give God your heart. Stop making excuses with your time and give God priority in your life. Stop making excuses with your talent and start giving God glory through what he's given you. That's what i'm challenging you to and again, I want to challenge you to go beyond the status quo I talked to you last week that there's like this line that's called the average life and for many christians We like to just kind of balance on that line And god told us warns us that stop living that average life I've called you to a life of power of over uh, Overcoming uh, abundant victorious life. Nowhere does that Define average as a matter of fact. He called that the lukewarm life and he said, you know what you want to hang out on the lukewarm life That just makes me sick He said I'd rather just kind of puke you out of my mouth. Go ahead. Choose one. You know either you're for me or against me You can't be I'm just happy in the middle So I want to challenge you to go beyond that average life and not only be hot on fire for God but be an encourager and an exhorter to others To Yeah, keep going. You can do it. Be people's biggest cheerleaders starting with yourself. I can do this, God. You have given me the strength to do this. Craig Rochelle says you can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you cannot do both. I like that. I think I've said that more than him, so maybe I'll start saying Brenda said that. You can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you cannot do both. Last week, we discussed the importance of starting with the treasure. We learned something about that as far as why we need to start with the treasure because, oh boy, does people get upset when you talk about money in church. But in Luke 12, 3, we learned that the scripture reads, for where your treasure is, there your." is heart will be also but see we've we've understood that scripture wrong we've interpreted it that wherever our money is well you know or our money will follow our heart no he's simply telling us God the one that created you the one that knows your inmost thoughts and desires said you know what right here <laughs> wherever you keep your treasure guess what's inside Oh, your heart. Do you really believe the God of the universe, creator of all, needs your five dollars? No. He don't need your money. But in order to get to your heart, he's got to knock on this thing, our treasure. And he even let us know that. That's why he put it in his word, hello? Huh? long? He said, guess what? You say, God, I give you my heart. I give you, we worship and sing, I give you my heart. And he says, really? It's in here. You won't open this thing up. You won't trust me with this thing. How can I have this? How can I have your heart? You won't trust me with this. So it was important that we start last week this series with the treasure because that's where our heart is. We can't do a Christian life if our heart isn't in it first. That's like saying, I want to get married, but I don't care who I get married to. I'm not going to love them anyway. Well, that's going to (laughs) last. We discovered two important facts last week. Number one, the treasure is the door to our heart. Our treasure is the door to our heart So God's going to knock on it And if you go He's going to say Well I guess that heart's not mine Your lips say one thing But your actions say another And number two We discovered that It's not a lack of money That's the issue Trust is the issue Do we trust God with our treasure Because if we can Trust him with our treasure He has our heart Either you trust God To hold your money Or your money will have a hold On you It will always Be nails on a (laughs) chub Every time somebody mentions money Or giving If it's an issue If you can't trust God with to hold your money, and just so it's really plain, what you have is not yours anyway. He allows you to hold whatever you have, whether it's little or much. He allows you to hold it, and we learned that last week. We're a steward of, we're a steward of our time, talent, and treasure. Actually, we should really say it: we're a steward of His. What he's given us, his time, his talent, and his treasure. So we had to start first with the treasure because we have to be able to trust to give God our heart. And that's got to come through that treasure box. But today I want us to focus on our time. Giving God priority in our life. Time. Something we all have the same amount of. Something we all struggle to have more of, and something we wish we could turn back the hands of time. Everything kind of goes south after. No, I won't go there. Anyway, William Penn said time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. Now, I'm not really good at English, but that just doesn't set right with me. I don't know if there's a better word way to say it, but William Penn said it, so... Time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. Think about this. Out of the three resources God's given us, time, talent, and treasure, the three that we're talking about, there is only one that we all have exactly the same amount of. Time. That's it. Out of all three of these, you can complain and make excuses, well, somebody has more of this or... I have less of that. or But time is it, man. There's no more. 24 hours in a day. Right? You wish you could. And I drink a lot of coffee. And I wish sometimes that I could slow that clock. Maybe I should just slow myself. I did realize that you know how older people say that it seems like days are going by faster? I think it's because we slow down. You know, I look at the kids and they're going, and I drink a lot of coffee and I still can't keep up with them. So I don't think the world's getting any faster. Time's not getting any shorter. I think I'm just getting (laughs) (laughs) slow. You know, we all have exactly the same amount of this. It's been said that time is our most valuable commodity. So why then do we let it slip through our hands so easily, so thoughtlessly? I mean, come on, admit it. You're sitting here today and thinking, what in the world did I do last week? Just feels like yesterday was Sunday. Right? Time, our most valuable commodity. Well, turn with me in your Bible to two scriptures pick out a couple scriptures Ephesians 5 and Philippians 1 These are these two are part of the four books that I just love Galatians Ephesians Philippians and Colossians because it reminds me to go eat popcorn Galatians Ephesians Philippians Colossians go eat popcorn Actually I would have stuck another one in there that says more popcorn love popcorn. It's my friend. Ephesians chapter 5. God is calling us to be wise stewards of what he's given us. First our treasure and then our time. I want to pick up in verse 15. Galatians 5. Oh, hello. I went to Ephesians. No, it is Ephesians. Ephesians 5, I'm confusing myself. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. It says be very careful how you live. Very careful with your 24 hours a day. Making the most of every opportunity. This is how you can understand what the Lord's will is. But if you're just letting days go by, hours go by, weeks go by, months go by. Years go by. Are you really making the most of every opportunity? Are you discerning what the Lord's will is? When we look over at Philippians chapter 1 here. Verse 9. And this is my prayer, Paul says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that you can discern what is best. Too often Christians just live for good enough. Good enough. Well, that's good enough. I'm not as bad as Sister So and so. I'm I'm good enough. Paul said, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Again, God is calling us to be wise stewards of the resources. Whose resources? His. That he's allowed us to steward. So let's tackle three big excuses we like to make up concerning our time. The first one being I just don't have enough. If I do this, I won't be able to do that. And the third one, which we throw out at every everything that we do in life, but God knows my heart. Well, I'll, I will... Oh God knows my heart Well I don't have to. God knows my heart So let's tackle each one of these First one I just don't have enough time Well again We've all been given exactly the same amount What you shoved into that 24 hours It was your choice For the excuse I just don't have enough I don't think it's a problem of a lack of the time, because again, we've all been given the same amount. But it's a problem with priorities. And so allow me to read to you, there's a book called Tyranny of the Urgent. Very, very good. Every minister should read this. Every business owner should read this. Every mom should read this. There are jumbled, and this little section is called jumbled priorities in our life at all times. It tries to slip in and distract us. And next thing you know, we're like a three-ring circus, you know, trying to balance all these, you know, spinning plates. And, you know, we've got the whole whatever that juggler thing going on with our kids, our work, our husband, or our wife, and family and friends. The author called this jumbled priorities. He said, when we stop long enough to think about it, we realize that our dilemma goes deeper than shortage of time. It is basically a problem of priorities. Hard work doesn't hurt us. We all know what it is to go a full speed for long hours totally involved in an important task. The resulting weariness is matched though by a sense of achievement and joy. Hard work, but doubt and misgiving produce anxiety as we review a month or a year And become oppressed by the pile of unfinished tasks We sense uneasily our failure to do what was really important The winds of other people's demands and our own inner compulsions Have driven us onto a reef of frustration We confess quite apart from our sins we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have left undone those things which we ought to have done." An experienced factory manager once, once said to me, your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important. He didn't realize how hard his advice hit. It is often returned to haunt and rebuke me by raising the critical problem of priorities. We live in constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that many important tasks need not be done today, or even this week. Extra hours of prayer and Bible study, a visit to an elderly friend, reading an important book, these activities can usually wait a bit longer and so they do. But often urgent, though less important tasks call for an immediate response. Endless demands pressure every waking hour. A person's home is no longer a castle, a private place away from urgent tasks. The telephone breaches its walls with insistent demands. Unless we leave it shut off in our car overnight. The appeal of these demands seem irresistible and they devour our energy. But in the light of eternity, their momentary prominence fades. With a sense of loss, we recall the important tasks that have been shunted aside. And we realize that we've become slaves to the tyranny of the urgent. Did you get that? Important things usually can wait. Important. But the urgent things demand our time right now. Take it. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. I don't like getting up at 545 every morning. But I know if I don't spend at least and I'm not going to give it a time because I don't ever want you know, God what God speaks to you in your amount of time is different than my amount of time. But when he told me, you will not get done what I need you to get done if you don't spend time with me first, then it's foolish of me to think that sleeping in would be better for me. Important, you can't. You can't sorry, you can push aside. Important you can push aside. But you have to be diligent to choose what's more important than what's just urgent and a need today. And I know I've showed you this graph before. Something is bugging my anyway, it's okay, it's a blind one. I don't need it. Until you pray for me and I get healed, then that's okay. Um I showed you this graph before, but let's look at this again. This is mind-blowing to me. The average 24-hour day of an American sleeping, 8.8. Oh, hallelujah. Wouldn't we all love that? (laughs) Leisure and sports, take up the rest of the 5.17. Working and work-related activities, 3.52. Household activities, 1.67, or for most of us. Maybe it's way down at the bottom. Eating and drinking. I like that. Not like eating and drinking. No, anyway. 1.24, 1.24, personal care activities, 0.92, <laughs> brushing your hair, some of us take longer than the others, purchasing goods and services comes next at 0.75 hours, educational activities, 0.57, caring for and helping household members, again, 12 hours family members or two family members that number could fluctuate a little bit. Unable to classify activities that has a place. Unable to classify point twenty six hours. Caring for and helping non household members, point nineteen, telephone calls, mail and email and I'll tell you, you know what? This was before a uh, Facebook. Oh, face would probably be up there with sleeping yeah, yeah. And then the, the last thing The very last thing In an average 24 hour day Of an American is religious and spiritual activities Even unclassified activities Comes way above that When you're sitting around And you, you ask your spouse So what are you doing right now I don't know Yeah, they spend more time saying, I don't know, than they do with God. What do you feel like doing today? I don't know. You do that more. There's something wrong. It's not a lack of time, but a problem of priorities. We have done those things which we ought not to have done. Go, keep that slide up there a second. And we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. Pastor Neil mentioned, wouldn't you like this on your tombstone? Not tombstone pizza. Oh, my stomach just growled. Um, but what if? Hello. What if on every tombstone this was written down? How much time we spent on da-da-da, da-da-da, da da hello. Oh, well, now let's see what's really important. See, urgent consumes our time. Important is a choice of time. So at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to spend time with God before you leave. And ask, do I need to reprioritize my time? I I say I do. I think I do. But are you really the priority God in my life? Thank you for putting that slide up. Remember. God said in the Big Ten, You shall have no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. And so that leads us right into the second one. Well, if I do this, I won't be able to do that. You see, it's a trade-off. If I do this... I won't be able to do that. And that can be all the way from, you know, if I give an hour in the morning to God, I've got to take an hour away somewhere else. Yeah. That's simple math. If you have, if Johnny has 24 apples. And Johnny gives God one apple, he's only going to have 23. Yeah. Right. But Johnny says, I just want to eat my apple. Well, guess what? You're still then only going to have 23 if you eat it. If I do this, though, I won't be able to do that. But I want to assure you the same principle that we talked about in giving. I don't know. My brain can't understand. Human reason cannot figure out. How God can take, you know, we had the, I asked for that money. I had four bills in my hand. And, and the illustration was God said, give me this one right here. And I gave this one right here. And then I thought, oh, I only have three more bills left. But then all of a sudden, another bill came into my hand. And I didn't even think about it. It was the same denomination even. I shared that with you last week, and I don't like talking personal situation, personal, you know, but um, let's just say, you know, because anyway, I went back and I was thinking, okay, that 10 shouldn't have even been there. That 10 needs to be folded up and put because I have a certain area I put tithe and offering and stuff, so I don't even touch it. It's not even part of my money. And I thought, well, there, at least an empty wallet like my dad used to blow in his all the time. Every time we asked him for money, he'd open it up and blow in it. <laughs> Talk about moss flying out of it. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, he still does that. Brian gets the mail, comes back. He goes, oh, here's a card. I'm like, a card? Nobody sends a card. And I opened it up. $50. My Cannot reason, your mind cannot reason. This principle of God will always give. You can't outgive God. So the same thing with our money is true with our time. When we say, God, but if I spend time with you in the morning, I'm going to have less time. Somehow it just makes that time more efficient, multiplied even at times. I don't even know what to say. I can't understand it. I can't reason it. But it's God's principle. It does happen. So, yeah, you might be thinking, but if I do this, I'm not going to have that. I assure you, the same principle is true. If you trust God with the first. But there is a trade off. Again, we read, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Those things you want to do might be good, but are they the best? And see, when we give God the first, he helps us to discern what the best is. My boys know it does not take me two and a half hours to get ready every morning. They know where I spend. You know, I get ready and I spend time with God. my, My little haven is my room upstairs. My bathroom, my room, my time. And I've told you, I've even, I pull open the shade in the one window. i got a camping chair in my bedroom. I pull up in front of that window so I can look out that window. And I thank God for a hundred things out there outside that window. So if I see a drive through just drive by, just beep and wave. Those things that you might want to do, they might be good. Those might be good things. But are they the best things? Being a good steward of my time is my choice. A daily decision I have to make. Sometimes every minute. Not just every day. Sometimes every minute. Because you start getting pulled a thousand different directions and you need to stop and think, okay, am I in the whirlwind here, the tyranny of the urgent? Are these things really important? Are they necessary? Are they needed now or can they wait? Andy Stanley, wait a minute, whoa, back up, I don't want to skip this. What's more important is the question. You're right, if you do this, you may not be able to do that, but was that more important than this? Andy Stanley said, don't allow what someone else will one day do replace what only you can do today. Think about that. He went on to explain that one day someone else will be mowing your lawn as their own. One day someone else will be working your job. One day someone else will be setting in your favorite booth at the restaurant but only you can be the father to your child right now only you can be the wife to your husband right now only you can be the loving caring, caring friend that he or she needs right now only you can fulfill what God created you to do establish a healthy balance though let me tell you uh, we raised six kids we have not always batted a hundred. As a matter of fact, with um, I don't want to get too detailed, but um, there was a time where uh, it's like mom's going to do this, mom's going to do that, mom's got to go to church, mom's got to go to this ministry, mom's got to go to that ministry, mom, 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 mom mom's always gone. But the kids need this, this, and this. I mean, we've always been a sports family. Kids have always been involved in some type, most kids have always been involved in some type of sports. Um, I made mistakes, and I always, always placed church first. Please don't shut off your hearing right now. Balance is what I'm talking about. And with this one child, it later came back to haunt me and bite me in the butt that, Um, in conversations, well, you love church more than you love me. See, they couldn't separate God from church. Is God separated from church? In a kid's mind, this is an activity. Let's just be honest. This is just a, a place where we go and we gather. Until they have that relationship with God, they don't know any better. So you have to teach them. You have to train them. Was I doing my teaching and training when I was just taking off and, you know, figure it out on your own? Well, they'll see that I always choose, you know, God. Well, they needed to be with me. So the second one, I didn't give a choice. (laughs) Like, going with me so that you can see me. You can choose for yourself. You get to see what I do. And I, not always, but I would make allowances for, uh, You know, I can't be here with the church, or I can't be there with the church because I'm going to go spend it with, you know, little Johnny. You know, Johnny's got a band recital. You know, those concerts that you just, I have no nails, but just would bite my nails through. Hurry up, get done, get done. But there needs to be a healthy balance. You see, if Johnny, little Johnny, only sees you running off all the time, always doing, always doing, always doing your own stuff, God's over here in in your world, how is God going to get in his world? And I don't want this to become a parenting class. I'm just telling you there's got to be a healthy balance. You see, making God the priority in your life does not mean you ignore your family's need. If your family doesn't see you doing Christian life with them, they won't know how to do it on their own. And I assure you, they're going to grow unless God's providential hand comes in and miracle. They will grow to resent the church. And resent ministry. Because ministry to them will be a time sucker that took you away from them. And let me assure you, I am not preaching a uh, let's all go out there to our families. Because if you do that, you have made your family your God. So there is a healthy balance. It's just like a cupcake is good. Is it not? Hello? But does not mean you can eat it every day? You're going to get fat. Or have diabetes. Die. Just like church. Just like family it's it's that list of jumbled priority. it's there it's just aligning it properly but don't do it alone let your kids if you're raising kids let them see that let them hear you talk about that let them hear you say God is number one number one important in my life and in doing God first his church is just part of what we do but I won't push aside Johnny's needs. Listen, healthy balance here. Craig Rochelle, again, said it this way. If you often overrule church for something else, but you never overrule something else for going to church, again, you are sending a very clear message of what is most important to you. Now, see, here's that other side, that pendulum. See, I hear a lot of people a lot of times saying, well, you know, we just went through football season with two boys, two different teams, two different times, two different games, two different practices. It was a nightmare. I've always been in my house, except for these two. I think they're getting away with them. Where it's like one kid in a sport at a time. We're not going to stretch our family, you know. Of course, we had six kids and, you know, anyway. One kid at a time. Well, now these two, first year, two different. I thought at least going to the same school, but no. So I understand. Now, for every practice and for every scrimmage and for every game, for two boys, if I would have went to everything, if I would have overruled church to do that. See, that's important to spend time with my kids, but a healthy balance says I sometimes have to overrule that for church so that they have a healthy balance. But too many times I hear people saying, well, I can't come to church because blah, 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 blah. Let's hear more of, I can't do this outside of church because I'm doing this. Your kids need to hear and have that healthy balance, okay? So again, I'm not going one way or the other, but you are going to have to make daily, if not by the minute, choices between... Well, if I do this, then I can't do that. It's a trade-off. Be very careful that your life is a balance. Again, ask yourself, is this more important than that? But that could have been a whole other message on balance alone. So I tried to run through that as fast as I can. Okay, here it is. The next couple minutes, let's look at the last excuse, which we like to throw out for a bunch of different things. We're just going to talk about time. God knows my heart. Yes, he does, and that should scare the poop out of you. He does know your heart. As a matter of fact, could you imagine saying this to your spouse? I don't need to spend time with you because you know my heart. Women, let's just be honest. I love sports. I really do. I love sports. I love football, hockey. I do. I love them. But sometimes I think he's married to the game more than he's married to me. Why? Time. And that's not even one of my love languages. His is. Oh, that speaks volumes. I could preach. His love language is quality time, not mine. But where he spends his time sends a clear message to me what's important in his heart. Same thing is true with everything else. How you spend your time tells what the priority of your heart is. In James 4, we can read the scripture that says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go and do this and that in this city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. And you can pretend that you don't know, but your heart's saying, Woo-hoo! You know what you need to do. Oh, but God knows my heart. Yeah, He put it in there. Saying, hello. Spend some time with me. We say, oh, God, but you know my heart. Yeah, it's screaming, spend time with God. We say, oh, but He knows my heart. Yeah. But when you don't do it, when you don't do the good you know you're supposed to do, it's sin. If you don't purposely spend time putting God in your heart, how can you expect God to come out of your life? You know, the scripture that says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if your speech is on everything else but God, hmm, what's in the heart? It's our responsibility to seek God first Matthew 6 above all else seek the kingdom of God first Jeremiah 29 13 God says if you seek me you will find me listen to this if you seek me with all your heart it's not like playing hide and go seek with God Come find me, God. Do you see me? Hello. He says, I'm here. You come with all your heart and try to find me. It's like the, the bride coming before the bridegroom. Do you know, that's why in the traditional wedding, the wife is brought to the husband. Because she wants to give all of herself to him. So she comes to him. Here I am. God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So in closing, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in his book, The Fellowship of the Rings. You see this dialogue between Frodo and and Gandalf. Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account to God each one of us will give an account you will have to give an account for the time that was given to you my question to you how did you how are you spending it the bottom line in order to give God priority in your life God must be accepted as the priority in your life. Let me say it this way. If we've really given God our heart, we will automatically want to spend quality time with him. Think about it. When you were all Twitter-pated in the spring, you know, new love and your eyes met across the room. And your heart thumped in your chest. That's it, that's the love of my life. No one had to force you to go spend time with them. You see, if you've truly given God your heart, there's no question of wanting to spend time with Him or where to place Him in the priorities of your day. He will be the priority in your life. That's why it was so important last week that we started with the heart. Revelations 2 warns us, the church, to return to our first love. So the three big, big excuses we looked at in time. Number one, I just don't have enough. Remember, it's not a matter of a lack of time, but a problem with priorities number two if I do this I won't be able to do that remember remember it's a trade off between what's good and what's best is this more important than that more important and three God knows my heart so let's be honest if your life is not displaying God's priority is surely not the priority of your heart Our time on earth is shockingly brief in light of the everlasting life that stands before us. We are here for a day and then all will face eternity. It is utterly foolish to waste this precious gift of time that God has given to you. So let us be wise in light of the fact that we will one day stand before God and give an account of what we have done, whether good or bad, now is a good time to establish our priorities. So what I'm going to do at the end of every message, we must, we must take time to let God speak to us. That's the only way real life change comes from the word, is when we let it be applied to our life. So this is just who we are as a church. We worship together. We read and break open the word together. And then we pray together. You can't pick and choose. It's not a buffet for you to say, well, I only need worship or I only need prayer. You must have it all. So at the end of every message, we take time to then just stand before God quietly. If need be, usually need be to ask him, God, what are you trying to say to me for this word? Where in my list of priorities have I placed you? Is there an issue that I can't even trust you with my treasure and that's why you don't have my heart? God, what are you trying to say to me? So while the team just plays this next song, we're going to stand up in a minute. I don't want anybody to leave just a little bit of time to let god just speak to you i want you during this next song number one confess confess to god stop making excuses for confess to god for your waste of time missed opportunities jumbled priorities confess it we all have to and ask him to help you discover his priorities for your life. And then ask him to give you strength to do what you know you ought to do. And I'm going to ask Pastor Neal to come up and start directing the altar time. And I'll come back up in a little bit. And I'll dismiss you when it's time for everyone to leave or those that have to leave to leave. But for right now, this is your time if you need prayer. So if you could just, everyone stand with me. And like I asked, just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere except for up front if you need prayer. If you want to get prayer right away or you want to get alone with God right away. But for the next few minutes, just ask God. Confess. And I'll come back and close it just
1: I can have the prayer team uh, Come forward We just ask Father right now Let your holy word Be a fire Be a fire And as we sang earlier Set that fire In each one Set them ablaze for you Reprioritize your time, reprioritize your life, God first, anybody that
0: is feeling a tug from God right now, come
1: forward, we're going to pray for you, come forward, come forward right now, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come and see me up here, thank you Lord, those are just hungry for more of God. Come forward. Show God that you want more. Come on, let's seal what was spoken here today. God's calling you into more. He's calling you into more. More of Him. Set a priority today. Don't leave here without setting that priority. I worship him.